Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and let us affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to once again be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed, as before, all of the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy nation. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your holy countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Allow us to find your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Спасение святую любовь, за наше спасение Христос пролил кровь, да мира купил он на радость покой, и мир наш наполнит хвалой, и помнило много его выводу, но Божьи слова вдруг коснулись мосом, и сердце смирилось и слезы.
And so before we, as always, continue to submerge into the depths of the truth of the Word of God, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life and put on the new form of life. The book of Ephesians 4, 22-24 That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. And to fulfill this command, as we know, we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs, and these are put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting actions to put off, be renewed, and put on will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the accomplishing of our salvation come to pass, that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever, and in result then our names be forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the following question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves or clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth? And when we speak of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ in the all-armor of light, we've concluded that we need God's help in the form of His redeeming mercy. The means of receiving any kind of help in the form of the inheritance of the mercies of God is weaponry of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth, since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God. Man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the territory of earth. Of course, this person does it according to the will or conditions of God. Considering that the most powerful form of prayer is a continual prayer that does not back away from its goal until what is asked for is received. We together have been studying the format of continual prayer in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest being a continual remembrance or a memorial before God. <clears throat> the power of such a prayer is called to demonstrate the unlimited authority of God over our genesis and the allotted by Him for His time and boundaries. Due to this, we came to the necessity to study the goal God pursues in His intentions when He urges and calls His children to become warriors in prayer and also in what way and upon what conditions God is able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man can present the interests of God in the implementation of his inheritance in God.
According to the revelation of Scripture, our prayer as warriors in prayer, identified in the virtue of the 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, <clears throat> needs to be, first of all, continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of your heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit. In the previous services, we in a specific format have already looked at the essence of the first eight components that identify the state of the heart of a warrior in prayer, as well as the quality of his prayer, and stop to study the ninth component, quality of continual prayer. This is the presence of the fear of the Lord in your prayer or prayer that is made in the fear of the Lord. But first, I would like to once again present the antonyms or opposite qualities of prayer that have already been a part of our studies because the understanding the context or background of each quality we will better understand the quality and character of true prayer <clears throat> and so the antonym of continual is unfaithful and not continuing the antonym of persistent is resisting the antonym of diligent is lazy the, and this laziness is where great uh, misfortunes come from. The antonym of boldness is audacity. The antonym of reverence is forsaking and hatred. The antonym of the faith of God is unbelief or resisting the faith of God. The antonym of thanksgiving is unthankful, hard-hearted, or stiff-necked. The antonym of the fear of the, of the Lord is the fear of man. As in the previous qualities of prayer, it is necessary for us to look at four classical questions. First, from what wellspring does the fear of the Lord flow? And what qualities or criteria does the fear of the Lord have? Second, what purpose is the fear of the Lord supposed to fulfill within our relationship with God, with each other, and with all of the world? Third, what price or what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can be filled with the fear of the Lord in prayer? Or, and by what results do we need to examine ourselves on the presence of the fear of the Lord within our heart? In the previous services, we, in a specific format, already studied the essence of the first two questions, and before we begin to study the third question, I, in short formulations, want to remember the essence of the fear of the Lord, which is contrary to the fear of man. We have noted that the fear of the Lord and the fear of man are two absolutely different programs that come from two diametrically opposite wellsprings, identifying the program of eternal life that comes from God, containing the quality of the nature of God, and the program of eternal death coming from the entrails of the fallen cherubim, containing his quality and his nature. The first Adam, due to disobedience to God, was transformed into the programmable system of the fallen, fallen angel and inherited from him a program opposite of God's fear, which was passed down to all mankind and came to be called the fear of man. The character included in the fear of the Lord, as with the previous qualities, is prescribed in, scri in Scripture for creating prayer as a commandment, a requirement, and a direct order that can't be ignored. If not fulfilled, the verdict is death or a final break of your peaceful relationship with God. 
The fear of the Lord as a program identifying the life of God is identified as the spring of the wisdom of God and as a carrier and demonstrator of this wisdom. And as a program, it is able to exist and demonstrate itself in nothing else but a programmable system, identifying the wisdom of the heart, which is the heart of a born-from-God man that becomes a possessor of a faithful mind abiding in the commandments of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 110.10 We have noted that the reason for many misconceptions and wrongs is what our mind is dependent on or from. If we place our mind in dependence of man, we will be pleasing because of our weakness, their ignorance, and their religious ambitions. If we place our mind in dependence of the traditions of man, then for the sake of those traditions, we will remove or move the commandments of God aside. If we place our mind in dependence of logical thinking or obtained experience, then we also will be far from the fear of the Lord. As the fear of the Lord, as the wisdom of God, it isn't against logical or rational thinking, but because of its eternal being and existence and exalted nature in the fourth dimension, it does not depend on logic and governs logic. Therefore, only when we, contrary to many human authorities, place our mind in dependence from the revelations of Scripture, that is when we will be able to be filled with the fear of the Lord. Again, these revelations can be received by a person of God, then we will be able to be filled with the fear of the Lord, demonstrated in His divine and exceeding wisdom. We know that the world that we live in has many forms of existing fear, and even more phobias. And practically, the entire world is underpinned by fears and phobias. But all of these forms of fear come from one wellspring, the fallen cherubim. These fears were inherited from the first Adam when he sinned, when he was disobedient, when he sinned and were passed on genetically to all mankind. And further, all of these forms of fear, where we inherited all of these forms of fear and we need to be delivered from them, because all of these forms of fear do not parallel or identify with the unique and great nature of fear that comes from God and is passed down by right of birth from God to man. and it is passed down in the form of a seed. We need to keep in mind that there is a healthy form of fear that exists as well. It does not produce suffering. Any form of fear that does not come from God yields suffering. At the same time, the fear of the Lord prompts a trembling reverence before God and an unexplainable admiration and delight as it places man in the safest place called God. As it is written, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. 1 John 4.18 Therefore, if our worship is done out of the fear of the Lord, contained within the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, then it cannot be accepted by God. And that is specifically why any attempt to enter the presence of God, to call upon God, to serve God, without the presence of the fear of the Lord, deeply offends God, does not consider God, and actually resists God. The absence of the fear of the Lord within the heart of man testifies about the fact that this person is bound by the fear of man or human fear. Human fear in a child of God is sin, and this is a sin that will lead him to hell. 
But the cowardly, they are first in the line. Again, in, they are first in the line of those going to hell, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, Revelations 21.8. I remember how some of my previous friends used to tell me, you know, we see that the Lord and, and anointing are upon you, and but... When the brothers will go against you, when the majority will go against you, we will be quiet, we'll be silent, we will not be able to defend you. But we want you to know that we are actually for you and not against you. Uh, in result, these people became uh, betrayers of the truth and they used to be in the numbers of my friends. They became my enemies and began to cover me with mud in front of other people. And so when people say, I know you're right, but I'm not going to defend you and I'm not going to be on your side, that's a great sin, that's a crime. Many pastors in the churches, even here in Oregon, Pastor Arkady, we know that the hand of God is upon you, that God gives you revelations, but when the brothers in their majority will be against you, I'm going to also nod my head and agree with them, but you need to know that I'm actually for you and supporting you. In result, of course, I heard that this person began to... Uh, pretty much also speak negatively against me as well as the others were doing. We know that the word fear, wisdom, and commandment when it comes to the nature of God are identical, and they identify the moral virtues of God. And they, because of they are identical, the one word describes the other word as they come from one uh, from one wellspring, and so they authenticate one the other. This is specifically why the fear of the Lord is the true wisdom of God presented in the commandments of the Lord. At the same time, true wisdom in the commandments of the Lord is identified as the fear of the Lord, identifying the given law of God. And so this third question, what conditions do we need to fulfill so we can be filled with the fear of the Lord in prayer and abide within the fear of the Lord? I will remind us that the boundary of the fear of the Lord as a program of God is the boundary of the heart of a person that fears God, as the heart is a programmable system for the fear of the Lord. <coughs> We've already studied the first condition for receiving the seed of the fear of the Lord into our heart. This is necessity to clothe ourselves into the mantle of a student of the, of the Lord, raising or elevating a person to the status of a servant of the Lord. Psalm 34:11. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The second condition for receiving the seed of the fear of the Lord into your heart is having a pure heart cleansed from dead works. Hebrews 9.13.14 For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, while the body is not purified, Christ cannot reign in this body. 
and we cannot be clothed into our new person. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Understandably, in order to cleanse your heart from dead works by the power of the truth, which contains the teaching about the blood of Christ, it is necessary to have knowledge about how to determine and differentiate dead works done by men from good works done by God. For example, to have knowledge about how to differentiate dead works from good works, the Son of God, as the Son of Man, was required to, for a specific span of time, consume milk and honey of supernatural origin. Isaiah 7, 14, 15. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. As you can see, even the Son of Man in the flesh, as he needed to be in our likeness in all ways, God placed him into such a place and he was born from the Virgin Mary as a man, he needed to learn to differentiate the dead works done in men from the good works done in God. And in order, to, in order to do this, he needed to consume curds and honey. And so the symbol of milk and honey are two formats of wisdom, collaborating one with the other within the heart of a person. These are the thummim and urim. Therefore, curds or milk in the format of the thummim is the format of the word of God identified as the given law of God, which we can receive by being instructed in the faith. Honey, in the format of the Urim, is the format of the revelation of the Holy Spirit, revealing the meaning of the given law of God received by us in our, in our heart by being instructed in the faith. If you remember, <coughs> John the Baptist, if you remember, he ate locusts and honey. And so this wild honey that he ate are the revelation of the Holy Spirit that he was not taught about from men, but directly from the Holy Spirit. Apostle Paul, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, interpreting this concept, identifying the condition for cleansing our heart from dead works to make the heart capable of receiving the seed of the fear of the Lord, wrote Hebrews 6, 1 through 6, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. He writes what to do to not lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on them the hands of resurrection of the dead and of eternal, eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Hebrews 6, 1-6 
a, a very uh, great tragedy for those people that heard and received and then fell away. They are no longer able to be renewed with repentance. They often ask me the question, well, what about those that didn't really hear it? Those who didn't hear it but are resisted, resisting, they also can be renewed because they don't want to hear the truth. They want to be uh, in that teaching that was uh, given to them by men and not from God. They can't be renewed if they're unwilling, if the word of God is not authority for them. These kinds of people, <coughs> they uh, shame the Holy Spirit. And so when they speak against the Holy Spirit doesn't mean to if you remember in the in the Old Testament how they uh, uh, shamed the Holy Spirit is that they resisted the truth they took uh, daughters that were not of the of the nation of God and so the worst is when people hear the word then reject it and then mock it and that's how they then crucified the Son of God <clears throat> according to the Bavred place of scripture we conclude that if a person does not have knowledge about these four teachings and principles containing instructions for turning from dead works his heart will never be able to be cleansed from dead works to then serve the living and true God. And so great condemnation will be upon those that were given the privilege to hear the elementary principles of the teaching of Christ in the teaching of baptisms, teaching of the laying on of the hands, teaching of the resurrection, and teaching about the eternal judgment. This condemnation will be upon those who heard and turned away from these teachings. Such people are not able to be renewed with repentance because they have allowed the devil to deceive them and, let, and lead others into deception. Similar to Cain in the land of Nod, they will in their Im imaginary worship crucify the Son of God and will insult him. And so they, as if, worship God and Christ, they actually insult him and crucify him. But they think that they're worshiping God and that they now have another gospel and that they finally now are free from that uh, slavery that was offered to them. Yes, we are offered to be servants of righteousness, slaves of righteousness. And so they became free of being slaves of righteousness and have become slaves of sin. And now they feel very free and liberated. And so those who have uh, and so they're good, good are those that are servants of righteousness, but those that feel forced into this, of course, will eventually leave. Here's what one of the places of Scripture say, being inspired uh, by, the, by King David, or the prophet David, King David. Psalm 69, 22 through 28. Let their table become a snare before them, and their well-being a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation upon them and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in their tents. For they persecute the ones you have struck and talk of the grief of those you have wounded. God strikes us when he places us by the cross of Christ into death when we die for our house 
die for our nation and die for our will or our desires and so suffering happens in this moment and that's what David is talking about <clears throat> add iniquity to their iniquity and let them not come into your righteousness let them be blotted out of the book of living and not be written with the righteous Looking at the above-read righteous judgment addressed to men that received the elementary principles of Christ but afterwards fell away from them or just resist them, they, we conclude that the table, also known as their banquet, that has become for them new food and their joyful celebrations will actually become their dreadfall and man-trap and vengeance when God will visit them and will weigh them upon his scales of righteousness. Generally, possessors of a tolerant form of mentality label the Psalms of the prophets as a product of the Old Testament. However, this very same place of Scripture is found in the New Testament. Let's hear Romans 11, 7 through 10. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded, just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see, and bow down their back always. First, the banquet that has become a dead fall and man trap for men who have turned away is their personal evangelism that God did not send them to do. Second, the banquet that has become a deadfall and a man trap for men who have turned away is their special interest in supernatural demonstrations which they call gifts of the Holy Spirit but are really supported by and carry pure occultism. Third, the banquet that has become a deadfall and a man trap for men who have turned away is rebuking of demons, which is actually a breach in their essence for demonic entry. Now, when uh, they rebuke demons in these places, they open up access to demons uh, so that they may enter. This is clearly shown in the encounters when they convince a person as if by revelation that they have a spirit of fornication and this person believes that he has the spirit of fornication a person in his spirit does not have fornication and the desire, the sexual desires that are coming up that are uprising in him are not a spirit of fornication uh, there's a sexual desire that is placed by, given by God also and these are not things you need to call as a spirit of fornication of course if this gift is turned into lust that you're not able to control then this is different but we need to uh, control these things and turn this lust into healthy feeling and rule over this. All of our emotions need to be obedient to us. But again, I repeat that sexual attraction to the opposite sex is a great and unique and mystery, mysterious gift of God that is placed into man by which a person can uh, reproduce ones in his likeness and demonstrate its love as well to their partner, to their husband or their wife. And so talking about it in such a dirty way, in such a low, in such a low form is not knowing the Lord and not knowing what God has put into man.
The condition for obtaining a pure heart capable of receiving the seed of the fear of the Lord in the form of the given law of God and the wisdom of the Thummim is the ability to differentiate and separate dead works from works done by God within your heart. Only after purifying your heart from dead works by the teaching contained in the truth of the blood of Christ, our heart will be ready to receive and take in the wisdom of the Thummim in, in the format of the elementary principles of Christ. But such purification of our heart from dead works is placed in direct dependence of the condition to know the teaching contained in the truth of the cross of Christ. Because the truth of the cross of Christ is the key for inheriting what is contained in the truth of the blood of Christ. Therefore, when a person by the means of his confessions claims for himself the inheritance contained in the power of the blood of Christ, not knowing at the same time the power of the cross of Christ, his confessions are unlawful and they're incriminated as a crime, as a sin, according to Scripture. Because this kind of unlawful confession makes the essence of this person vulnerable for the entry of deceptive, deceptive powers of darkness. When someone says he's cleansed by the blood of the Lamb because they confess their sins, but if they do not know the teaching of the cross of Christ, that is the key to inheriting uh, the blood of Christ, then he unlawfully, criminally uh, confesses these things because cleansing has to happen according to the conditions of Scripture. In such a position, redemption from sin and death, which a person in his time received freely by the grace of God, is truly under question. This is because the investment of the silver of our salvation happens exclusively by knowing the power of the cross of Christ. Until we, by the cross of the Lord Jesus, die for our nation, for our house, and for our destructive will, that we, because of our deception produced by our stubbornness, consider as the will of God. We often call it as the will of God. The inheritance contained in the blood of Christ will be behind a closed door for us. And consequently, our heart will remain uncleansed from dead works or will be unable to receive the seed of the fear of the Lord in the form of the elementary principles of Christ. Without knowing the truth of the cross of Christ, it is impossible to do away with or abolish the power of our intellect to place the mind of Christ as ruler, ru ruler over ourselves. Without knowing the truth of the cross of Christ, a person will study and receive the thoughts of God that are contained in Scripture with the wisdom of man, identified as the power of his human mind. <clears throat> the wisdom of man are the abilities of the fleshly man who receives the salvation of God in Christ Jesus freely by the grace of God, but does not know the transcendental significance of salvation. According to the statements of Scripture, the wisdom of man views the principles of the truth of the power of the cross of Christ as foolishness, as it sees the power of God as not in the cross of Christ, but in rebuking demons, supernatural healings, and other miracles, out of and independent of the power of the cross of Christ. It is this understanding that belongs to the wisdom of man. We see this explained in the words of Apostle Paul in one of his, his other chapters written about the power of God. And my speech and my preachings were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, 5. And so Apostle Paul says here that 
He talks about some uh, supernatural wisdom. He's talking about the power of God and supernatural. Uh, but if you pay attention, there is not one indication regarding supernatural demonstrations. The true power of the sermon of Apostle Paul revealed that wisdom of man or human wisdom is foolishness. Apostle Paul is no other perfectly understood that preaching the gospel without a clear instruction regarding the power of the cross of Christ is nothing more than a deceptive teaching of the darkness, which is a, del a delicacy for any fleshly or carnal person. Because the word about the cross of Christ first disciplines every person in the truth and second deprives him of all advantages that he possessed apart from the cross. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, Romans 1.16. If the rod of the power of the gospel of Christ would be demonstrations of the, of the Spirit, then Apostle Paul would not have had any need to oppose human wisdom and write, I am not ashamed, regarding his preaching of the gospel about the cross of Christ. According to the revelation given to Apostle Paul, preaching the gospel without the teaching of the cross of Christ does not have the right to be called so. According to his words, this is deception will be revealed in that day when God will judge the universe by the means of a predetermined by him man giving con confirmation to all by resurrect resurrecting him from the dead. It is about this ruinous and crafty deception that Christ warned us, presented in supernatural demonstrations, independent from the cross and without the use of the cross, where the true perfect will of the Father is. Matthew 7, 20 through 23. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, you sh shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me, and so will, where will the Father, will of the Father be? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. He called the people, those who did practiced lawlessness, that they say when they prophesied in his name, cast out demons in their name, and did many wonders in his name, they did a lawless work. Pay attention again. Only those people that fulfilled the will of God will enter the kingdom of heaven. This will... This will Will is that that this will that was fulfilled in bringing God is bringing God your fruits of the Spirit, which are impossible to have if by the means of the power of the cross of Christ we don't die for our nation, for our house, and for our life in the flesh. And so, the seed of salvation we need to turn to profit us. We need to allow this the Holy Spirit to submerge us by the cross of the Lord Jesus into death. Therefore, the reason for the lawlessness of the present category of men unlawfully attempting to enter the kingdom of heaven is that these men were not able to testify about the fruit of their spirit, grown by the power of the cross of Christ, which reveals the original and counterfeit and the true miracle from the false miracle. These deceived blind men stated that they rebuked demons by the name of Jesus when they actually were under the dependence of religious demons of deception.
True, according to scripture, true victory over demons is done by losing your soul in the death of the Lord Jesus, which is impossible without the power of his cross. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Revelations 12, 11. <laughs> they did not love their lives to the death. <clears throat> to not love your life, life, life to the death and commit it to death is when you know the cross of Christ. As we die for our destructive will, our desires, our fleshly desires, by the cross of the Lord Jesus. They overcame the ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, not by the way of rebuking demons and practicing gifts of the Holy Spirit, but by the blood of the Lamb, by confessing the faith of their heart and losing their soul, which would not have been possible without the power contained in the cross of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 17, 18, Apostle Paul writes, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. During the service of preaching the gospel, Apostle Paul performed many great miracles and signs, including rebuking demons and many forms of healing, even resurrecting from the dead. He himself was resurrected three times. He was beaten with with uh, poles and and so the disciples would come and uh, they, he was raised from the dead and went on with the other disciples. But we want to know how that happened and the details. I had decided to look in the internet how they uh, how they uh, would beat with poles. They uh, in certain countries they have this form of punishment, and so they showed that it's not just the body but also bones are being broken. Uh, from these poles that they're beating him with. And so there was, there was, we know, as a punishment, uh, uh, 40, uh, 40 lashes if, if they beat people in the back with 40 lashes. And so they take a flogger and they flog this person and it physically uh, rips everything out and even uh, chunks of, of, of flesh that are coming out and a person first yells and then loses consciousness and they take him out, uh, wash him uh, with water and then... Uh, apply bomb if if there's something more terrible they beat him with stones or beat him with poles and when they beat him with poles he was stoned he was beaten with poles and day and the night and night he was also in the depths of the sea the ship that he was upon he fell into the waters and he was there a day and a night and Again, it doesn't describe how he was able to, how he how he got out of there, how he resurrected from there, what fish took him out of there, how did he come out himself, or an angel. It's interesting, but the Holy Spirit didn't find a need to put it in here. Paul writes about this day and night. I was in the depths of the 
waters, but he did not trust in these things. Why did he not describe them? He writes about the cross of Christ a lot, but he doesn't talk about these signs and miracles much because people will enter the kingdom of heaven not practicing, not because they practiced uh, miracles and, and gifts and that great signs happen through them, but because by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, they died for their nation, for their house, and for their corrupt uh, will or desires, and they were able to bear fruits of the Spirit. This is very important. And he says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It is in the inheritance contained in the cross of Christ that God focused all of himself, all of his wisdom, all of his righteousness and holiness, all of his just judgments, and all of his selective love, specifically in the power of the cross and not in the power of the blood. It is not possible with personal strength be delivered from the filth or abominations that are the born delicacies of our soul that we inherited uh, by the sinful conduct of our parents. For this purpose, God prepared His grace focused in the power of the cross of Christ, which is able to eliminate the power of our soul, that is our old person with his deeds, to make a way for the great inheritance contained in the blood of Christ. And so, again, it says, do not rebuke your demons, but put to death the members. Some, they tell you, you're, you have the spirit of fornication. Who told you this? And now they force him, they press him into the stomach, and they're trying to force out demons from his body. And he's spitting and... For me, it's strange that these people who were there, that they did this, uh, that they did this to, uh, they left and now they went back there and again they're uh, being fascinated by these so-called miracles that are happening there. When the children of God begin to trust and rely upon specifics of received by them revelations focused on success in the service, the power of anointing, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, they open up a wide breach within their essence, giving access to deceptive powers of darkness. For this reason, God prepared His grace focused in the power of the cross of Christ that is capable to eliminate the power of our soul, that is our old man, and open access to the great inheritance contained in the blood of Christ. Summing up the given component, we conclude that if we allow the truth of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to cleanse our heart from dead works, fulfilling for the sanctification and dedication all of the necessary conditions, that is when we will have the ability to receive the seed of the fear, fear of the Lord into our heart. Now, the third condition for receiving the seed of the fear of the Lord into your heart, it consists in honoring the Word of God and treating the Word of God presented in the name of God and the given law of God as God honors and treats, and treats his own word. Psalm 138.2 I, I worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. Psalm 138.2 to honor the living word that comes out of the mouth of God in the format of his given law and treat the word as God honors and treats his word 
it is necessary to identify the place upon which the Lord has magnified his word above all his name. Based on this and other places of scripture, God has magnified his word above all his names, specifically upon this place and for the sake of this place and within the boundaries or territory of this place. In Hebrew, the phrase magnified your word, the specific uh, phrase magnified is to grow from the earth. He came before him as a dry plant from the ground. We were created from the earth to magnify the word. Why David worships before his word in front of the temple of God is to grow from the earth, be exalted, be glorified, be lifted up in praise worship, to raise children, grow out hair, which talks about being a Nazarite, uh, d being dedicated, demonstrate the greatness of your light, demonstrate the fullness of perfection, show the gift of your grace, and to be hallowed in your temple. According to the above-mentioned thoughts, we conclude that God intends to magnify his word above all his names in the temple of our body, which he brought forth from the ground so that he can eternally live in it. That is when where he has magnified his word. And such magnification of his word above all of the names of God can only happen when Christ will reign with his resurrection within our bodies or when God clothes our body into the fruit of the tree of life grown by him within our heart, that being our new person, carrying the death and resurrection of Christ. Second, for God to magnify his word above all his names in his holy temple, he first needed to, with his word, create a living earth from which he could then grow his holy temple and only after magnify his word in this living and holy temple. <clears throat> that he brought forth from the ground. The program of the great mystery of the word abiding within the entrails of God and afterwards revealed by God in creating the living earth and his holy temple is brilliantly and consecutively imprinted by the promised Holy Spirit through Apostle John. John 1, 1-5. through 5. I expanded it a little bit more so that we can see in the beginning was the word, in the original Greek, word logos, and in the other place where it's called, this word is called rhema. There where the word is logos is a thought, and there where it's called rhema is the uh, thought that is sounded or sp in the spoken word that performs action. In the beginning was the word logos thought, and the word, being this logos thought, was with God. And the word Logos thought was God. He, this Logos thought, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, here through him, Rhema. All things were made through him, Rhema, the spoken word. And without him, without this Rhema spoken word, nothing was made that was made. In him, in this rhema, the spoken word was life, and this life, being rhema spoken word, was the light of men. And this light, rhema the spoken word, shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And I will again re-elaborate this place of scripture in a form that is 
clearer. In the beginning, there was an informational program in the format of a thought, and this informational program in the format of a thought abided in the entrails of the Father and identified the essence of the Father. It was in the beginning in God. This informational program in the thought, in the form of thoughts, was in God. And that was made, all that was made, was made by the word that comes out of the mouth of God. And without his thought, voiced in word, nothing was made that was made. In the word that came out of his mouth of God, out of the mouth of God was life. And this life that was in spoken word was light for man and the light of this word shines in the darkness and the darkness is not able to take this word because this word devours all darkness a more expanded elaborate uh, version and it's clear and it's correct to clearly understand what the word is in the beginning it was information in the form of a thought it was in God and it identified the essence of God and when God decided to speak the word when he spoke the word he understood that what he will say will be the example will be the thing that he will be vigilant over and that he will fulfill and be able to fulfill according to this and other places of scripture the living place that is in accordance to the essence and virtue of God upon which he grew from the earth and upon which he magnified his living word above all his names is the living temple of the Lord in the form of Jesus Christ and his disciples the name of God containing the mercy and truth of God magnified above all his name is the living word of God in the form of Jesus Christ abiding within the hearts of his disciples now I saw heaven opened and behold the white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And so he magnified his name, not just the Word, and the name of this Word, this name, this Word is a name, has a name, and this name he exalted this is the name is the word of God and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself would will rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords we need to know that all that God is created with his word in the visible and the invisible world was created in Christ by Christ and for Christ giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sin he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation for by him all things were created that were in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should 
dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. We need to know well and be confident in the fact that our attitude regarding the holy temple of God, being God's chosen remnant flock, with Christ as head, determines our attitude toward his word, which he has magnified in his holy temple above all of his names. Again, our attitude regarding the, regarding the holy temple of God determines the attitude, our attitude towards his word. This is why David first worships towards the holy temple of God and therefore demonstrates his regard to the holy temple in which he, for, in which and for the sake of which God magnified his word above all his names. Therefore, dis, disregarding or neglecting the holy temple, God sees this as disregarding and neglecting his word. I want us to understand, neglecting your body is neglecting his word. You can't neglect your body. This is a great mystery. When God created the living earth, he intended to build his house. And he created from this living earth a living person your body, to live in it. And David understood to honor the word of God, you need to honor his temple in which he magnified his word. Neglecting the holy temple of God is a specific form of offense or crime for which there's no longer rem there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery indignation which is ready to de uh, devour the hater. It's another sin against the Holy Spirit when people uh, leave their church. Let's read Hebrews 10, 25 through 31. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but extorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful ex expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more worse punishment do you suppose he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was uh, sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace leaving your church not from a mausoleum or a religious club but from a holy church where truly the teaching of grace flows such a person sins he tramples the son of God he counts the blood of the covenant a common thing and insults the spirit of grace for we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Sinning willfully against the holy temple of God is a voluntary, conscious, and willing neglect of the holy church. It is truly unfortunate that the majority of people that attend their churches and consider themselves members of these churches 
they are guilty in this sin to demonstrate neglect towards the Holy Church in all it's not necessary to leave it it is enough to raise or elevate yourself above it not consider its authority and spread bad rumors about it today as never before these churches are filled with drunkards drug users fornicators liars haters of the truth and they feel themselves very comfortably in these churches because the captains of these churches either have placed themselves as captains or they were voted for by the majority vote so that they deceived the, ba- the passerby. And understandably, the small flock located in these churches are disregarded and re- ridiculed as they treat them as religious fanatics with, not, with an underdeveloped in- intellect or intelligence. But this is only a question of time. The days are coming when all of this majority will be thrusted out from the midst of the whole assembly and will be bound into specific bundles to which we have become witnesses another parable he put forth to them saying Matthew 13 24 through 30 the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field but while men slept the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away but when the gain had a uh, grain had sprouted and produced crop Then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And can you imagine, when they're together, what do people experience who fear God when next to them, these drunkards and fornicators, these drug addicts are are legalizing their sins, they do whatever they want, they easily go from one club to another, they're not disqualified for these things. Uh, what does the small flock need to do? Of course, they're... they're uh, they're uh, mocked uh, because... They resist them. So it says, allow them both to grow until the harvest. Let both grow together until the harvest. At the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And so they will form their own little bundles where they will be able to rebuking demons actually invite demons where they will evangelize that God where God did not tell them to evangelize where they will practice uh, miracles that are absolutely occult and are not of God where they will crucify the Son of God saying that they worship him and the scriptures call them these these bundles as the synagogues of Satan they will say they are Jews but the small flock they will say that they are the deceived uh, dictators and so forth and so forth returning to our primary text we conclude that the nature and qualities of the name word of God contains the program of the mercy of God and the truth of God as it is written I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above all your name Psalm 138 2 
The Word of God containing the program of mercy and truth can be magnified above all of the names of God within the Holy Temple of our body when we worship before the Holy Temple of the body of the Lord Jesus. This is the Bride of the Lamb. We need to remember that the mercy of God is intended only for those people that by the preached Word of God's delegated persons receive the truth into their heart in the format of the elementary principles of Christ. As it is written, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. An incredible place of scripture. The land yielding its increase, which we are called to receive, is the reigning of the resurrection of Christ in our body. We need to keep in mind that building our body into the holy temple of God and magnifying the word of God in the holy temple of our body above all of the names of God can only happen by willingly and consciously collaborating with the commanding word of God. And such collaboration is called to happen by being obedient to the heard word identified as the fear of the Lord or the given law of God. Because the word of God in the format of the fear of the Lord, is first of all a program of God containing the goals of God, focuses of God, desires of God, the plan of God, the means of God, and the power of God. Therefore, to activate His means, His means, His plan, and His power, his plan and his power for reaching his goal concealed in the program of his word. God needs a program, a programmable system in the quality of the human heart, in which are two formats of wisdom. These are the elementary principles of Christ and the Holy Spirit revealing the essence and purpose of this faith teaching. According to the findings and revelations of Scripture, God abides and finds his rest only in the final results of his word, which is the holy temple of our body. We see that the Lord has found rest in the seventh day. And while he has not been, uh, been able to reign within the body of a holy person, he has not been able to find his rest. The true peace and true Sabbath has not come because our body is that peace or that place of peace. He wants to find rest in our body and to accomplish his word within our body. God is vigilant over his word specifically within the temple of our body. Not somewhere else is he vigilant over his word, he's vigilant over his word that he has within, specifically within the temple of our body so that it be fulfilled quickly. God is all-powerful and he is omnipotent and he wants to reign in the temple of every individual person. Because he 
is able to be at the same time communicating with at the same time with millions of people as he communicates with one because of his ability and of course Satan not having these abilities he convince, convinces one person deceives one person he can't of course do anything to the one next to the one sitting next to him he can only work with one at a time God works immediately with all you see how the body of Christ does every cell is connected with the head and every cell receives a program for it uh, for its functioning there's uh, billions of cells in the body and God shows how it works as his word is as he's vigilant over his word to be fulfilled in a person God created a person so that his mind is vigilant over every cell of the body receiving information and passing on commands uh, on of what it needs to be doing not a single cell functions by itself or independently. As soon as a cell, for specific reasons, stops ob obeying the mind, it is called a cancerous cell and it kills the body. As soon as a person in the church begins to not accept the word of God in the people, recently I got a phone call from a group from Germany, they say we have a sister, she's 80 years old, she suddenly began to speak, why are you worshipping this person, we have the word of God and the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> you see how Satan deceives people, uh, how can you understand the word of God and the Holy Spirit by yourself without a person? God does all of this in, per, in the person I worship before your holy temple that you have magnified only through the church can God do this and through through man and they asked they asked me, me what do we do with her and I said disqualify her at this time if 80 years she has not yet changed uh, her ways let her uh, let her love everybody as she states that everyone needs to and so-called and be in her opinions if she so wills we need to understand uh, this unique thought that God has magnified his word above all of his names in his holy temple and this is the body of a holy person which is the temple of God and so such collaboration as we've been talking about is obedient to the heard word uh, which is God's commandments because the word of God as in the form of the fear of the Lord is a program that contains goals the goals of God, the focus, the desires of God, the power of God, and to accomplish God's word within us, God finds rest in the final results of his word, which is the holy temple of our body. And to accomplish his word within our body, God is vigilant over his word, specifically within the temple of our bodies, that it be filled, fulfilled quickly. Because of this, to accomplish his goal, God can utilize the word of the faith of the heart only of those people whose whose body he planned before the creation of the universe to be his holy temple. Therefore, observing the natural qualities of the living word of, of word out of a man, so observing the natural qualities 
of the living word out of man or out of a person purposed and sanctified by God to be a carrier of his word is resisting a resistance against God and his word. Today we have a sufficient number of people prideful, hard-hearted, and arrogant who trust that first they can perf- perfectly understand the word of God and the Holy Spirit by the power of their mind without the person who is placed over them. And second, that they can and are required to inspect, judge, blame, and criticize that person and agree with him only in those situations when it matches their personal opinions. We need to get rid of such unfortunate wise guys and not communicate with them, and the sooner the better because these kinds of people are a hindrance and barrier for the accomplishing of the final goal placed by God to magnify His Word in the holy temple of our body. God needs for the last and the last times to cast out, to thrust out such people so that they form their own bundles, their own denominations and so forth. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 12. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. If you pay attention here, the word of God will be speaking through a person. God will send us word, not the written word, but through a person, by a person, which he will speak. We need to read and search the scriptures, then we will better understand the living word when it's spoken. And so these people whom God has prepared, when does he prepare them? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. And so Jeremiah saw this in himself. What do you see? He says, I see a branch of an almond tree. According to this prophetic place of Scripture, we conclude that before directing his word to accomplish his goal, God seeks the person in whose mouth he would be able to place his words. And this person is known by God before he is formed in the womb and sanctifies him so that he be his prophet. It's interesting that in Hebrew, the word prophet has these definitions. Soon, quickly, fast. It's action, foresight, true visionary, and a seer. The middleman and representative of God, the trusted representative of God, the extraordinary delegation of God, the carrier of the revelations of the Almighty, sanctified by God, be the lips of God, a door, a tool of vengeance. 
Imagine people reject these people and say they have their own head. They do not want to see in these people uh, a prophet. These, uh, this this uh, responsibility God has placed in this power. In this way, God is vigilant over his word that it be fulfilled quickly within the heart of the prophet and together with the prophet. And this collaboration of man with God and being vigilant over his word is well reflected in the prophecy of Habakkuk. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, tablets of the heart, that he may run who reads it, so God can simply read it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. We sing, but not always perfectly understand what God has promised he will fulfill, whatever may happen. He will fulfill it only in that holy temple where it will be written and a person will establish this in himself. According to the Bavred prophecy, we conclude that in order to magnify his word above all his names within the holy temple of the body of man, God as well as man need to attend to one another and be alert and attentive because the accomplishing of any word of God containing the promises of God is always a collaborative vigilance of God with man. God will never be able to do anything with his word without man, and man will never be able to do anything with the word of God without God, without the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that. <clears throat> and so the word to be vigilant is to be alert. This is a God and man. God is vigilant and he tells us to be vigilant, to be alert, be introducible, be attentive, stand on guard, listen closely, to be sober, be discerning, be restrained or withheld, be ready to fulfill. Everything that God says in regards to man, he can fulfill if a person will receive his word upon God's conditions, be obedient to his word and trust in his word. For the with God, nothing will be impossible. Luke 137. These were spoken by the angel Gabriel to Mary. A very young uh, Jewish girl, and she, he told her that she will bear a son, and this will be the seed of the woman, about whom it was spoken to Eve, this will be the Messiah. And she said, how can this be? I don't know a man. And the archangel Gabriel said, the power of the Most High shall come upon you, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be upon you, and what is born will be holy. And she said, may be according to your word. She said, do not be afraid, for with God nothing is impossible. The word of God is with power, in any situation, and if a person receives the word of God by the person that is sent by God and will be obedient, then the power of, God, of the word of God will fulfill uh, or, or be accomplished. If a person resists receiving the word of God, that is the living, uh, given law of God by the person that God has sent, then the power of the word of God in the form of the given law will turn against this person. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 
If these wise guys want to or, not, or don't want to, God does not consider them. His word can be brought to the human heart by God's delegated person and not just him reading the scriptures. We need to keep in mind that the Church of Christ is the body of Christ, and this means that the Church of Christ is, first of all, a living organism and only after an organization. By the intention of the creation of, of, of creating man, his body and his soul and inner organs were called to be directed by one head and not a brotherly council. By the same example is the Church of Christ created or formed, which is called the body of Christ. And the order that the body of Christ is directed by is theocracy. This is a Greek word, which is theo, which is God, and Chrissy, which is power. So theocracy means the power of God or the order of God, which is why God's order of control in the body of Christ and in part every specific church of the holy nation, the power of God needs to be presented in by one person. And the example of this order is passed down and implemented uh, in the institute of marriage where only one person is placed as a head, as a father for the wife and or the husband for the wife and a father for children. This order is also present in on earth in, uh, in government as well. And so the king is, it's a monarchy, and so if a person is not of royal uh, blood, but in his hands is all power, then this power is called totalitarian, uh, totalitarian uh, power. And so this order is present is in hell as well, where the head of the fall is the fallen cherubim, who stands over all of the other demons. And so eternal life, which God has promised, is written Titus 1, 2, and 3. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but as in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Titus 1, 2, 3. The unchanging in word God uh, revealed uh, this word through Paul. People who are arrogant or raise themselves above others are not under the strong arm of God, and these are people who have refused the order of God in the body of Christ. If people do not place themselves in dependence of the delegation of God and try to and attempt to use uh, the revelations whom God, that God has given to his delegated authority, then God incriminates this as uh, theft, and God will not give access to this person into, into heaven. And so when a person takes this word and uh, speaks it as his own, this is thievery. When we read, we don't we don't say God is revealed. We say the book of Apostle Paul, Malachi, Isaiah, and so forth. But here we hear something, and we begin to present it as our as our as our own, although we didn't receive it personally. Here's what Jer uh, God says through Jeremiah 23, 25 through 32. 
I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will this be in the, in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor, as their fathers forgot my name for, for Baal. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream, and he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Is it not my is my word is my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongue and say, He says. Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. And so, summing up the given component, we conclude that if we receiving the fear of the Lord into our heart, do not make the decision to honor the Lord of the word of God and honor the word of God in the person whom God has sent as God treats his word and honors his word then we will be in the army of our enemy and our heart will forever be closed for the fear of the Lord and we will be blotted out of the book of life Amen let us bend our knees however who is comfortable and we will pray and thank God for that word that we were able to hear today Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ again and again I with joy worship in the heart of your holy temple where you have magnified your word above all your name the fact that you magnified your word above all your name you showed with your revelations you showed that you created the earth for one purpose you breathed life into it you've made it a living planet to make of it a person or from it a person you sent your son also also had the same body you sent him here to the earth to be of the same body from the earth so that he can redeem those people who will worship before your holy temple because their attitude towards your holy temple notes their attitude towards your holy word forsaking your holy temple is forsaking your holy word forsaking your delegated ones is forsaking your word as well but you've revealed to us this truth and this revelation and we thank you for your word in your persons whom you've sent that you placed and that you anointed to destroy and to rebuild and may your mercy be blessed for these people whom you sent as the sheep among the wolves but that you care for and that have the immune system of the Holy Spirit. And so every person that curses them will be cursed. And they will not be able to receive forgiveness 
because this in your eyes will be mockery of your Holy Spirit, mockery, and forsaking your church is also as trampling your Son, Jesus Christ, underfoot, refusing to receive your truth, the elementary principles of Christ. You receive this as a, you see this as a sin that has no forgiveness. You will not allow a person to be forgiven and he will not be able to repent because he has hated your truth. He has hated your teaching. And we thank you, Father, that independent from other sins that we may sin before you, we did not sin with these sins. And so those holy people who have not sinned with such sins, they have the ability to repent and be forgiven. You can forgive them. You can show them mercy and not look at the fact that they fall, but you continue to see them as righteous. And you comfort their heart and you say, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he will rise again. The wicked will fall and not rise again because his uncleanness, his lawlessness is that he does not receive your word because he places his mind above yours. He trusts that with his human mind, he can comprehend your godly thoughts, which you have concealed in your word and that you can reveal only by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so every person that is arrogant in mind and interprets with his mind your godly verbs, your words, is to be judged. We thank you for your word, for your truth. We thank you that you have magnified your word in our holy temple, the temple of our body, that you magnified your word in every individual person and all together. This is your goal. This is your will. You came to your goal. Thousands of years, your nation has been mocked, has been trampled upon, and now you turn to your nation to rise out of it, to cast off the chains from their neck, to cast off the sackcloth and put on garments of righteousness because your nation was never told and taught of justification your nation always had to earn these things with fasting, with prayer with evangelism with some other works they were never able to agree and receive your justification freely by grace upon your conditions May your mercy be blessed for your people that have opened their heart to hear your words and that have prepared their heart. We worship together with your people upon this place, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
And now, all of us together, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.